guys, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we are into our second edition of Journalist January today. Of course, uh, we're taking uh, the rest of this month to uh, focus on the voices within wrestling media that are a part of the LGBTQ community and um, also uh, help to enhance the profile of LGBTQ pro wrestling as a whole through a lot of their work. Last week, we had Patches Chance from uh, Daily DDT. That was an awesome conversation. Um, But this week, we are turning our focus to another um, aspect of uh, wrestling media, one that, you know, has risen in popularity, I would say, but still um, flies under the radar a little bit, talking about the zine culture. There are a number of awesome uh, pro wrestling zines out there uh, to check out. Uh, Definitely, you know, we've had Elm Hill on the show before, and and their work on uh, wrestling with gender was outstanding. You know, there's also uh, the Atomic Elbow. uh, is a really awesome one out there. Uh, But this week, we have the creator of girl wrestling fan will you marry me uh kate foray on the show and this was a treat to have the chance to to sit down and talk to kate about the creation of her zine with how she drew inspiration from some of the other zines that we talked about specifically atomic elbow and you know the work of colette aaron and ed blair um and really dig into how the stories that are in uh girl wrestling fan will you marry me Um, really speak to um, human experiences through a pro wrestling lens and the wide swath of uh, of voices that are featured in the the so far six volumes of the zine that have been published Um, it's a really awesome conversation I'm really happy that we were able to, to have Kate on and that she took the time out of her day to to chat with with me a little bit about um, zine culture as well as her own journey in pro wrestling, um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome, and we'll get to that conversation here in just a second. But I do want to take a quick moment to send out congratulations to Kira Hogan, a past guest of this show. Of course, if you watched Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill pay-per-view on Saturday, you saw that her and Tasha Steeles uh, became the new Knockouts Tag Team Champions. Uh, their version of the women's division, the knockouts division there. Um, it's the first time we've seen anyone hold those belts in uh, nearly eight years. Um, obviously, those titles were uh, deactivated um, a while back. So it's just awesome to to see uh, another out, uh, amazing pro wrestler succeeding and, and having the championship gold on her shoulder to prove it. Uh, so, and it was a fun match as well. Um, and Tasha and Kiara have been probably the most entertaining aspect of Impact uh, over the past calendar year for me personally. Uh, I've really enjoyed their, <laughs> the, seeing their relationship and how they play off each other and just how much fun they have um, on screen. It's just awesome to see. And then the tease, of course, afterwards, that they're, they're, the tease of uh, a potential clash with uh, Diamante and Ivelisse from All Elite Wrestling. Of course, they won All Elite's uh, Women's Tag Team Tournament last year. Um, and that, honestly, on its face, would be 
a fun match in and of itself. But, of course, there's that added dynamic of Kira Hogan and Diamante being partners as well. Um, and so and it's not like they haven't faced off in the ring before since announcing their relationship last year. So it's just it's awesome to see. I it, it I don't know. It's, it makes for a fun little possibly combustible mixture there. Um, but either way, awesome moment on Saturday, and we just wanted to extend our congratulations out to Kiara for that. Um, yeah, amazing to see. But also amazing, one Kate Foray. And let's get to our chat with her right now. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and we continue chugging along with Journalist January this week with a special guest um, who is more in tune with the zine scene of things when it comes to writing about pro wrestling. It's a really interesting ecosystem to explore, and I thought the perfect person to start that journey on this show uh, with would be the creator of Girl Wrestling Fan, Will You Marry Me, Kate Foray. How are you doing today, Kate? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good myself. Uh, just having a nice little afternoon here on Inauguration Day. Hooray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but honestly, we'll let politics go to the side here because I, I, I want to talk to you about not just like zine culture as a whole, but your zine specifically as well. Um, mm. I know you started that back in 2017 um, yes. and I think you're up to six volumes at this point. Yeah, we I did six last year. I usually do like a spring and then a fall release. And then obviously with everything last year, I did six in the spring and then the fall came and I was like, I don't have the energy and I, I, I don't even want to ask someone else to come up with the energy to come up with something. So um, hopefully we'll have seven in the spring. That's the goal. We'll see. Um, but yeah, we're up to six volumes, which is kind of amazing so <laughs> no, it's awesome it's yeah. awesome because like one thing i really like about about the zine culture um as a whole not just with pro wrestling but it cr- it creates spaces for so many different voices to be able to like share their thoughts or share their their outlooks on certain you know cultural topics whether it be media society all that fun stuff and pro wrestling is a place that um, I think we're both very well aware um, it has a, a dearth of uh, diverse voices, or at least at one point it did. Yeah. It's definitely getting better, but, yeah. um, you know, and, and I'll be frank, like I'm fairly new to zine culture in a way, like I think yours and uh, the, the one that Elm Hill or yeah, Elm Hill put out yeah. uh, wrestling with gender yeah um, last year are the two that i've really engaged with the most although i'm aware of like atomic elbow and a couple of yeah others, so. yeah definitely i was yeah i was about to say like i was definitely inspired by the atomic elbow and ed blair and colette Aaron. like i would be remiss not to say like <laughs> they were definitely doing this way before um i had done it and they were kind of like that inspiration of like yeah i could do a wrestling zine because i had gone um, here in Richmond, where I live in Richmond, Virginia, we do like an RVA zine fest every October. And so I'd gone to a couple of them and I just thought they were amazing. And it never occurred to me like to do one because I'm not, I didn't really consider myself a writer. I'm mostly a visual and graphic designer and that's where my background is. And then um, 
just, I got, I kept wanting to write about wrestling and I'd been asked a couple of times and I'd had a couple of pieces out there, but I just, I still never saw myself as a writer. And then I had an OkCupid message with somebody literally that's where I got the title from was girl wrestling fan. Will you marry me? And that was all it had said. And I screenshot it and I threw it up on my Twitter and I said, jokingly like, Oh, that's going to be the title of my zine. And just the response from that tweet was just, are you actually going to do this? I would love to write for that. Like I want to do it. And I'm like, Oh shit, I guess I should actually (laughs) make an effort to create a space. And I just kind of was like, well, let's try it. Let's see who will submit. And I think I got like 90 submissions for oh, volume wow. one. And I was like, well, shit, I'm going to have to do volume two. And it just kept going from there. I kept having wait lists. And I was like, I guess we're just going to keep going until nobody wants to read it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome to hear the response though, especially for yeah. something uh, brand new in that way. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there were definitely spaces for like, you know, other people having done um, wrestling theme zines. But for me, it was more like, um, I wanted to kind of touch on like the social side. And a lot of people thought like, it was just gonna be like terrible dating stories or terrible screenshots from meeting wrestling fans online. And that like, that was what it was when I initially got into it. And then I got so many pitches from people that they found their best friend or they found their partner or they found like, the love of their life through wrestling and then people who use wrestling to process their grief and just it just kind of all encompass like and so now when I I mean even then when I accept submissions I said it could it could be whatever you want the only thread is that wrestling has to be like kind of that red thread throughout like that's it like it doesn't have to be about you at a wrestling show it doesn't have to be about you dating a wrestling fan just that's the theme. And then I get the pitches and I just kind of go from there. And it's been really incredible to see people's stories. And I've met some really incredible people and some of like really good friends that way and like really cool people just because they wanted somewhere to write and talk about their lives or something to happen in their lives. And just wrestling was there essentially. Mm. Um, I've been, it's interesting you speak to that evolution of like the topics that are discussed in in, in mm-hmm. the the different volumes that are out there because like it's definitely something that's noticeable like if you just look yeah. like from volume one to volume uh, five just the the like it seems like volume one is almost solely focused on um, like interactions between like social interactions around wrestling especially yeah. from, from a female perspective yeah. and then reading volume five like kicking off with that drags and drop kicks article yeah piece in there like it speaks much more to just finding acceptance as opposed to like the being like the the not necessarily the focus on but like more telling uh anecdotes from perspective of being othered on like a a sex or gender um sort of scale from the first volume yeah and i think that's something like i kind of knew i knew that those experiences exist existed just from being on Twitter and seeing other people tweet and kind of meeting people at shows, but how deep it was and and how far it extended. It wasn't, you know, I mean, wrestling is everywhere, right? Like it's it's on both coasts, but then it's in the Midwest. And just, I was noticing this trend of, I wanna write this thing. I don't have the space for it. There isn't, I feel like a space for me. You feel like, I kind of became this like safe space for people to just write 
about wrestling. And it just was like, yeah, go for it. Like I had never anticipated somebody writing about, you know, like a review of a wrestling show. Cause I was like, maybe they want to take that elsewhere. And they're like, no, I want to write it here. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It could be whatever, it could be whatever you want it to be. Um, and that was the thing is like, I, I had so many people come up to me privately and be like, I want to submit this. Like, would you accept it? I'm like, yeah, the whole concept of me creating this space is I it's for anybody to accept it. Like, you know, unless it's like blatantly, t- like I've gotten like one or two pitches that are like, eh, like, do you want to go take that elsewhere? Like, it's probably not the space for this, but for the most part, like, I wish I could include everybody <laughs> that bitches to me because there's just so many stories that can be told. So. No, it definitely is. And it's such a wide spectrum. And, and it's one of the reasons why I, I love like going back to the different, the different issues that are out there, but mm. I want to get a little bit more in uh, of about you for uh for stuff a little bit um because obviously you you are a wrestling fan you were a wrestling fan before creating the zine obviously um where does where do these origins for you as a wrestling fan start uh where does it start to really sink its teeth into you oh man (laughs) (laughs) i i have been a wrestling fan for very like probably like 1997 so 20 years yeah it's been 20 years and I hate thinking about it but um I was really into the Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers as a kid like all action movies sort of thing and then one day my brother was watching TV and flipped through it and we came across what was WCW and he got super into it and I had known of the existence of like some of the wrestlers like Macho Man like outside of wrestling I knew him as like you know the Slim Jim guy it didn't occur to me that he actually was famous from somewhere. I just thought he was this guy. And then he was on TV and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I think like a couple of weeks later we were watching, like flipping through again and I found WWF and I was like, this is even cooler. <laughs> and we just kind of, we would have our own little Monday Night Raw. Like we would watch WCW from like eight to nine and then throw on Raw and then we each had our own TV. So we'd like run back and forth into each other's rooms to like <laughs> kind of go back and forth <laughs> and watch it. And it was, it was so weird. And my parents hated it. And my mom, my mom did not understand why I liked it. Um, I think maybe that's what made me want to watch it more. I don't know. Um, and I got really into it and I watched it all through middle school, all through high school. And then when I got to college, um, I lived with roommates and we didn't have cable, like we were, you know, broke college students. So um, we didn't have Hulu then. So it was like, all right, not gonna watch wrestling. And I kind of just fell out of it all through college, like for about like four or five years. And then I went through a really bad breakup in 2013 and ran out of stuff to watch on Hulu and (laughs) was just flipping through. And I was like, and I had watched, I had been on like the wrestling forum boards and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid because like none of my friends wanted to watch wrestling with me so I found my people online and that was my first introduction to people being wrestling fans online and I learned about Ring of Honor and Samoa Joe and um, CM Punk and all that kind of stuff and I was like flipping through Hulu I'm like what the fuck is CM Punk doing with like the WWE title like how did that happen (laughs) and I just jumped right into it and I was like 
I guess we're watching wrestling again. And I caught myself up. I think like I went like a year back and went back a year and was very confused by what was going on and who was there, but there was still a lot of familiar faces. And I think with WWE, they're always, they always do something that kind of like helps new fans. They're always trying to bring new fans in because they're constantly like reminding people of what happened last week or two weeks ago. Right. So it was perfect for me because I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And yeah, I got back into it. I started dating a guy who was a wrestling fan and we went to WrestleMania 30 and it's just, I've just been back into it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a common route for a lot of people, um, yeah. whether it be like an accessibility issue or just like the, the, the constant refrain I hear from people is that like, you know, people outside of your wrestling bubble start to like influence your idea of how cool it is to be a wrestling fan and you might drop off for a little while like i had like i had a similar like drop off for about a year when i was in college and and you know i ended up getting sucked back in in like 2007 2008 or something like that so it's it's a it's a common story but there's just something about it that has an ability to just keep like like wrenching you back (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's like the mafia like you can't get out like they're always gonna pull you back in sort of thing and I would watch like when I wasn't watching because my brother would still keep up with it and so I, I I saw like one or two Wrestlemania's like at Hooters and I think I saw like the John Cena the Rock biggest match again sort of thing and I'm like yeah. okay cool and I just I I didn't have time I didn't have a tv like for like a year at one point and I was like and then I got back into it and I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started watching Ring of Honor and TNA and um, started going to like independent shows and well, went back into it. And I had like money at that point. So I could go to wrestling shows if I wanted to. I didn't have to like beg my mom to like, let me watch a pay-per-view. It was like, fuck it, I got money. I'll go, I'll watch it myself. So um, I think it became a lot easier as an adult to just be like, no, I'm going to watch it. And I don't care what anybody else thinks sort of thing. <laughs> no, I mean, you get to a point where not only do you have that financial freedom to do it, but you also have this sort of like internal freedom to be like, well, this is something that I like. And like yeah. other people don't like it, then like whatever. Yeah. So I totally understand that. I'm curious, whenever you first started watching, like who were some of the characters of the Macho Man that kind of uh, – pulled you in um I was really into the rock I just I thought he was like and like in retrospect a lot of like what I was first watching was not meant for like a 10 year old like (laughs) (laughs) but I thought like I I liked all the dramatics and like like I wasn't really super in I went back and I watched some of them like, oh, of course, because the wrestling back then wasn't like the best, but um, I was really into The Rock and like DX, like kind of all that kind of like, I was like a really big tomboy growing up. So I was really into like all that macho shit. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like Stone Cold's coming, kicking ass and taking their names. I I loved Mankind. I thought he was really cool. yeah, because he had a whole thing with, uh, oh, my favorite match from back then was like that empty arena match he had with The Rock. And I just thought it was like <laughs> so ridiculous and so cool. And like, 
yeah, it was, it was so campy and I just, I don't know, I couldn't get enough of it. There was just something about it that I was just like, this is, this is amazing. And then Hardy Boys and Lita, like all that kind of stuff. And then by that point I was really into like boy bands and exploring my punk phase. So I was like, the Hardy Boys are right up my alley. This is super cool. I'm going to shop at Hot Topic and dress like Lita. Like, yeah. <laughs> God, no, I, <laughs> that halftime heat match that you bring up now with, with Mankind and The Rock is one of those that always sticks in my brain as well. Um, yeah. for the campiness of it just the fact that I know it's like a common joke now but the fact that there's a camera a POV shot of the forklift yes. coming down on and the rock like, as he's screaming and he's like no oh I don't like somebody now thinks of how ridiculous some of these matches are I'm like do you not remember like the sheer ridiculousness of these of these uh you know stipulations like you had the rock pinned via a forklift like come on <laughs> and it was a legit pin like nobody questioned it they're like yep nope you lost sorry that's just how it goes <laughs> <laughs> oh lord no i i it's it's always interesting to hear like the characters that people latch on to in a way because like the hardy boys i definitely are were formative for a lot of people i think mm -hmm. um and it's amazing that they're still going um yeah now um but yeah like it's, it's like those characters are, are they stand the test of time in a, in a lot of ways and, and it's interesting to see the ones that do in that yeah because like the hardy boys are so of that era yeah in a lot of ways but yet they've been able to both like through like reinvention and also like going back to the nostalgia in a way they've been able to like keep going into like their mid-40s at this point it's a little unnerving to be like to just see Jeff come out with the face taint and stuff like that. And I was like, I was super in love with you as like a 13 year old. And then you're still here. Like you're still wrestling. Like it's incredible. And just like, people are still into it. I'm still into it. Like, I'm not going to lie. When they came back to WrestleMania, like I was just as excited. Like it, it was a little bit of a nostalgia pop for me. So um, definitely understand it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess, like, whenever you were getting back into it, you said you were, like, look, you know, getting more into Ring of Honor, the Samoa Joe mm -hmm. CM Punk stuff that was going on there um, a few years before that. Um, and then WrestleMania 30 happened, and, yeah. and you went to WrestleMania 30. Obviously, that's that's best known for the Daniel Bryan coronation, um, yeah. which, you know, I think so many look back on as, like, one of those, like, moments of organic storytelling that... Yeah. WWE does not necessarily know how to really capitalize on very, very, um, uh, very often. Yeah. So obviously, I'm sure that I don't want to like make assumptions, but it seems like that might have played a, a big part for for like getting you back into it. But was there any but, anything else on that show? Um, well? Honestly, like honestly, the big thing was Daniel Bryan because the moment he won, I want to say I'm trying to I can't there was something that happened because we didn't buy them when they first went on sale I was like I don't know like maybe da, 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 like we'll go and then he won something where it was like he's going to be at Wrestlemania and I went and I bought four nosebleed tickets and was like we'll figure it out because I live like 14 it's a 14 hour drive to New Orleans from where I live so I was like we'll figure it out we'll just I'm just gonna have tickets um 
I couldn't tell you what else was on that card, like, except for like the streak. And even that, I just, I, it didn't occur to me then that it was going to happen. Like mm-hmm. we just thought it was like one of those, like, oh yeah, no, like Brock's going to lose. Like for me, like I went for the most part to go see Daniel Bryan. Like I couldn't tell you what else happened on that show. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, obviously there was some other like memorable stuff on it, but I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't think you'll find many people that can tell you anything other than the Daniel Bryan or the streak stuff because like yeah they're two monumental moments in pro wrestling history honestly oh yeah um and and I'm with you on the attitude towards the the Undertaker Brock Lesnar match like I think the moment that the pinfall came I was in the middle of explaining to my partner at the time that oh he's gonna kick out because like Undertaker like there's no way they're gonna let Brock Lesnar be the one to beat Undertaker yeah like I was like in mid sentence, and then the pimple happened, and I just had to shut up. <laughs> the whole, like I think I was, in, I wasn't exactly because my my partner at the time was a huge wrestling fan. Well, we were just chatting about something, and then like the whole arena went quiet. It was like the air got sucked out of the room hmm. because the whole weekend, you know, because we were you know going out and meeting other wrestling fans, and we'd go through the card and be like, oh, who do you think is going to win this? And every time we hit the Lesnar-Taker match, it was like, oh, that's a gimme. Like, Taker's going to win. And when he didn't, uh, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> My partner started crying and wanted to go home. So... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and then, like, I got texts from people because my brother was supposed to have gone with us and then he didn't because that's who I got the ticket for and then he couldn't go. So he's texting me like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I didn't go. And I was like, well, I told you, like, sorry. <laughs> Lord, God, that that's just one of those events that just, I, I'm always curious to talk to people that were in the building for that, just as like the, the reactions, because they seem like they ran the entire emotional gamut, honestly. It was- it was a lot, like a lot, a lot of you locked, like the people, I remember the people in front of me all got up and left and they didn't come back. Oh, wow. A lot of people left after that match. And I like, I didn't know why. I was like, you came all the way here. You, you spent presumably all this money on tickets. And yeah, it was, it was intense. I, I like, I think it's funny. I thought it was funny then, but I think it's even more funny now just because like nobody, nobody, if anybody said, oh, I saw it coming, I'd be like, you're a liar. Like no. nobody, nobody saw that coming. Come on. <laughs> Not at all. Like it was just the last let, one of those like real moments. Yeah. Just like, let, let this happen to you. Let the, this emotion take over. Like, don't, don't try to be like a, you know what I mean? Like a, like a snooty fan about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, And so obviously like, the the love for wrestling started with like major companies but that's seemed as like transition not i mean obviously still a wwe fan but um a lot more embrace of the the indies as well um what kind of uh led you to uh like discovering independent pro wrestling and and what kind of fostered that that love for you um so when i was dating my partner that we went to wrestlemania with we went to like a handful of small shows and we like that, that was my first kind of experience of like traveling to go to a wrestling show we went to some show in new jersey and in the name of the of the promotion is escaping me now but he was uh he was an icp fan so uh we went because icp was going to be there it's just a whole other story but um i had gone to a couple like high school gymnasiums um 
and wrestling here in in Virginia like we were at least where I live there was there was like a wrestling promotion when I first moved to Richmond um called Richmond Lucha and I wanted to go and I kept missing it and missing it and then they finally like shuttered and nothing ever came back there's one far away but there was no I didn't have a lot of exposure to the indie shows and so I started traveling to go see them and it was you know, you'd get like the people that had wrestled for WWE and then, but then you had people that you hadn't seen before. And my first exposure to Cedric Alexander is in like at a PWX show in North Carolina in like a bar and like his swole, big swole was sitting behind me with his mom. And like, we were in the crowd all together, like cheering on his match. And like, it was that concept of seeing somebody before their like I had never really had that. Like I had that had that person that you know and you've seen in like that small intimate setting, and then like now they're on television. Like this is super cool. So um, I started going like when I I try to find shows that were happening the same time that like maybe WWE was in town. So I'd go like that Saturday to like a small gymnasium and then check out the show on the way out of town, just so it kind of felt like it was a it was worth the travel because I was traveling like on buses and uh, Greyhounds and Amtraks. And for a little bit, I kind of thought about getting into wrestling. I didn't, I did like one class and I was like, this is too much and, and too much pain. So it felt like I needed to go and see like the smaller independent stuff and just kind of get a general idea as to um, like what's out there. Like what is not WWE, what is not Ring of Honor um sort of thing and and I started learning about people and Candice LeRae and Young Bucks and all that like all those names that were big between like 2014 and I would say like 2017 like I would just go and seek them out and be like oh I can make it to Pennsylvania like Philadelphia let's do it like I would go to some Chikara shows and that sort of thing and then Chikara came to Richmond and I like that was great for me that was like <laughs> this is super cool like I never gotten to see wrestling in my hometown except for like a Smackdown in Richmond so <laughs> it was just a lot of and that's how I started meeting people like one of my closest friends now like she and I met at the, the show in Brooklyn and then like a month later she was coming down with her husband to a Chikara show in Richmond and we were sitting next to each other again like by no intentional planning and it was like, oh, I guess we should be friends now and follow each other on social media. And like, we've been friends for like six years. Like, wow, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as I kept going, because I kept, I kept wanting to go see people that I was friends with and people I had befriended on Twitter and that sort of thing. And like that kind of connection, because that was the only time you got to see them was like, oh, there's a wrestling show. Like, we're all going to be there. Let, let's all go together sort of thing. Mm. Did that become that that like building of relationships become just as much of a draw to go to to shows as the shows themselves in a way? Oh yeah, sometimes it was even more like mm. there would be like shows where I'm like ah, but I get to see you like so yeah, let's go, let's let's go check it out. Like King of Trios weekend, I went and that was 2016, I think, and there was like six or seven of us that just hung out all weekend. It was like, and I didn't, like they, we lived all over the country. Like somebody lived in Chicago, like somebody lived in Arizona, somebody lived like 
in Baltimore and it was like this is the only time you get to see your people like might as well go sort of thing so yeah it, yeah. it makes it makes total sense why you would start a zine that kind of explores the the societal aspects and of uh in relationships that pro wrestling can uh, can speak to yeah and a lot of those stories like are very familiar like like this is where i met my tribe this is where i met my people like sort of thing and it's you wouldn't expect that like i, I have friends that obviously are outside of wrestling and not necessarily like wrestling fans but they've gone to, with me to shows and they're just like they'll come with me and i'll like say hey to all these people and they're like are you like famous i'm like no like we just all have gone to the same six shows like we all just know each other <laughs> sort of thing um which when you're adult like i think a lot of people like it's hard to make friends as an adult so this is like one of those times where it's like yeah like here's this common interest and worst case scenario like you talk to somebody on twitter and you meet in person and it's awkward you have like the wrestling to watch and you have that to talk about so it's it's great (laughs) (laughs) and i and i fucking missed it all last year like (laughs) i went to one wrestling show in march and then we all shut down and it was like oh i haven't seen anybody in almost a year this is this is awful. <laughs> Same. Like, I think I went to Butch versus Gore. That was the only show I went to last year. That's where I went. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. yeah. I don't think we got a chance either. But yeah, that was no. my last show was Butch versus Gore. And then everything, I think, shut down like that week after. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. we, me and my partner went out there. We flew back to, to Portland. And then, like, the curtain fell on everything. Yeah. So. Yeah, like it's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm bummed to get I did not get to meet more people while I was while I was out there, but um, it was a blast though. And 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 speaking to that the something that you did say that that I resonate very much so with like when it, like making friends as an adult, um, it, it is a challenge that I have not figured out. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I know I'm not the only one. Oh, yeah. Um, and so like having something to like you said like having something to kind of uh, have a common interest to share in or something that can alleviate that that anxiety um, of like those initial meetings like it, it's really nice to have you know whether it's pro wrestling or something else but it just happens to be pro wrestling for the those of us that are sucked into this thing yeah and I think like with wrestling we're all a little uncool because we like wrestling and I mean that in the most like <laughs> I mean that in the most endearing, most positive way possible. Like we all like this really frankly ridiculous thing. And so we have that common ground. Like nobody is too cool for anybody at a wrestling show. You know what I mean? And like, there's no need to put on airs. There's no need, like there's definitely like that anxiety of meeting people. But um, I, I personally try to remind myself like we're all here to watch a bunch of people like fight each other in a ring. Like, let's just say, hey. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, for this sure. Not like a, yeah, this is not like a networking event. Like this is cool. Like we're all gonna uh we're all gonna watch this happen and it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any uh indies that like hold a special place in your heart at this point? Um no. <laughs> and I think you know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to keep, trying to keep this positive, but um, yeah, uh, like 
I mean, obviously there were local promotions near me that, you know, latched onto and got really excited about and wrestling can break your heart in ways that you don't anticipate, but also probably shouldn't like should anticipate at this point. So um, I try not to get too latched on to any one promotion at this point, or even one wrestler, just knock on wood, just in case, but the whole essence and the whole idea and the whole um, concept around like going to independent shows, like that's, it's, it hasn't scared me away yet. And so hopefully somewhere in the future, we'll all be back at one and it'll be, it'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, not, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, completely understandable. I mean, especially yeah. with the, the revelations of the past, like not even year, just like the past six months honestly um just there's been a lot to kind of reassess in the in the wrestling world when it comes to this stuff so yeah and that's and i think in in some ways having you know having created those friendships is is nice because like you have people that you can kind of commiserate with um because you can't talk about it with like your non-wrestling friend friends. Like I've had a couple kind of ask me cause they'll see something on Twitter and be like, what's that about? And I'm like, I just don't have the energy to explain to you what happened. And then for us to like come together, at least, you know, having those connections with people that you've been to shows with is like, we're all in this together. Like we're all having collective trauma. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. I, that just, uh, I don't know. There's just something about like, wrestling twitter the daily discourse that just like i cover the industry on a daily basis and i still feel like like it is such a struggle to engage with as much as that comes on a 24-hour basis it's it's a lot and like i've learned i've learned like a couple things but the biggest thing i've learned is like you don't always have to have an opinion on everything that's happening like on the discourse of the day because for one like even like yesterday I was offline working because like I work from home right now and so I was like deep in a project like you know no looking at the Twitter sort of thing and I poked my head up at like 4 30 and was like what the hell is going I don't even know like a friend of mine texted me was like what is this about I'm like I don't I'm just as lost as you like I have no idea um so I just like it's a lot and I think I think a lot of it contributes to like we're all at home and so like yeah there's a lot of un unexpressed energy I think there's a lot of like you we've all been stuck at home and it's coming out in weird ways now but um yeah you're right like keeping up with the discourse is a lot so I try I'll check in the morning I'll check middle of the day and then I'll check in the evening and then I'm just like all right we're just gonna <laughs> We're just going to live tweet AEW and not talk about anything else. Like, yes. <laughs> let's just react to this match. <laughs> I do not blame you at all. So at what point do you start to kind of uh, get into the, the zine culture, like previous to you, like forming your own zine, like you said, you kind of drew inspiration from Atomic Elbow. At what point do you discover these publications? Um, God, I think I just, it like, I was on Twitter and I had had one in college and it obviously wasn't tweeting about wrestling. And then 
when I was getting back into it, um, like my partner at the time, like they wanted, they had this concept and I don't know if it still exists, um, but it was like a wrestling watching club. And so I turned my Twitter into like following as many people as I could, like even involved in wrestling. Cause I just was like, I don't really know anybody here in Richmond. Let me just find other people. And, and then I, I think I just started following people who follow people who recommend people. And then one day, like I was at, um, Richmond Zine Fest and there was somebody there and we were talking about wrestling and he was like, oh, I know, like, I know who you are. You follow like so-and-so. And I was like, I guess so. And I went back and I was like, oh, like, I think I had bought um, some of some of the zines from like the Holy Demon Army zine, which is Ed Blair stuff. And so I was like, oh shit, like I follow this person. And it didn't even occur to me to make that connection of like their stuff made it all the way here from, I think they're in Chicago, I think. I'm not entirely sure. And there's this person I like kind of follow online. Um, I just really fell into it. Like I tumbled into it. it was like, I just followed people and then I would go to events in Richmond and that's how I ended up discovering about RBA Zine Fest. And then um, my partner now is a librarian and he's very much into zine culture. Mm. Um, our library has like a zine library and one of his coworkers at one point was running RBA Zine Fest. And so he had been going for years and years and years and just like kind of was like the one that kind of not necessarily encouraged me to like keep going with the zine but was like like my confidant and like that editor and like person that I like if I was frustrated with something um you know he was the one that always like was showing me different zines and all this other stuff and we ended up going to like SBX and all these other different zine shows all over the place so (laughs) I just yeah I kind of fell into it and I was like oh this is kind of this is kind of nice. And I always think it's nice to have other outside interests aside from wrestling, even if it's, you know, included with wrestling, but um, it's a very similar culture. I think like that do it yourself, like very, um, it's so creative. And like, I, I like love that just even before wrestling and before any of that. So um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's honestly it speaks to a lot of what makes pro wrestling what it is. Like the, that that very like grassroots creative aspect where you're like really like digging your hands into something to to craft something out of nothing in a lot yeah. of ways. Um and especially like especially what we've seen over the past uh, five to ten years, where we've seen the the rise of you know, pro wrestling organizations that, you know, um, cater to marginalized communities or are more Mm -hmm. open to embracing marginalized communities and marginalized identities, whether it be, you know, uh, women, wrestlers of color, Mm -hmm. people of color, because it's wrestlers Mm -hmm. and fans and and creatives Mm -hmm. and all kinds of different people. Um, And then, of course, you know, the focus of this show, the LGBTQ community as well. so it, it it makes total sense that you would see this this uh, this desire to find avenues to tell their own stories as, as the industry has started to slowly and and probably more rapidly in the past couple of years move towards a more progressive 
stances on on a lot of these issues. Um, yeah. Is that something that you've that you've noticed um, just in the four years that you've been doing um, your your zine? Absolutely. Like I think there's definitely more of a push for people people are tired of waiting for a space to be created for them. And so it's like, well, I'm just going to make my own space. Um, and just seeing the amount of people that are more looking into like self-publishing. And I think it's great. I think because there's so many spaces that they're moving at such a slow pace why not just do it yourself? Why not just create that space? And then ideally, hopefully, um, people who have, have created and have established like, you know, um, more clout, so to speak, will kind of bring you up with them. Um, but yeah, I've definitely noticed in the last couple of years, there's been an increase um, and a push. And I think rightly so, if anything, it's it's happened way too late it should have already been happening like I was looking back I was surprised when I got back into wrestling it was still as not backwards but it wasn't as progressive as it could have been um and then it just felt like it was slowly amping up and then the last couple of years it's it's definitely it, there's a lot of people that are just creating things and just doing it and I think being in quarantine especially the last year or so like people are like I have at home I have access to these things like let's just create something and, and it forces you to get more creative and let's just do it sort of thing which I think is despite the circumstances is, is really amazing no I, I definitely agree and, and it's something that it's like a weird like not necessarily weird but it's, it's a very um interesting cycle to watch where like you yeah. have this this DIY culture in publication like like yours and, and others and that kind of feeds feeds off of the uh that progressive march but also kind of feeds into it as well and now we're seeing a lot of uh wrestlers and promoters take that DIY attitude and that creative attitude of just like make your own space for what you want to see and it's definitely been on the rise like during the the quarantine like you're saying like mm -hmm. you know we saw billy and low take butch versus gore separate and now they're they're running their events when paris is bumping was an outstanding moment for lgbt oh, yeah. for wrestling um and then you even have other companies like i know russell rogue just announced uh futura wrestling up there in minnesota um we had flop house get recently announced that i think is associated with jody um who is outstanding on on twitter and then a lot of this i've really enjoyed watching a lot of the stuff from paradigm pro um where they've just been throwing all kinds of ideas against the wall with like no fear really of how they're going to um like be received and they've all been received very positively like i look at no hook as like a melding of like hip-hop culture and pro wrestling that doesn't rely on the stereotypes that so many other hip hop and pro wrestling mashups have in the past. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that like seeing that, that DIY attitude get more infused into the actual pro wrestling that people are engaging with and being inspired to write about? Is that something that um, kind of enthuses you for where not just your publication, but like any other publication in that sphere um, might be heading? Oh yeah, because I think if anything, creativity 
bounces off each other. And I think in those spaces and becoming more creative and inclusive of those spaces, you're including people that, you know, feel like they belong at a wrestling show now. Like there, you know, there's so many people that for so long they go to, you know, I went to a wrestling show in Tennessee and they're a very, like I had met the promoters and they're very nice, but um, this was like backwoods, Tennessee, Confederate flags everywhere, like Confederate flags being sold at the table. And I like, as somebody who like, am like visibly like cisgender, like I, I will not be harmed. Like I am fine, but there's no way in hell I would take my partner or any of my friends to a show like that. And I know there's so many people that feel that way because that's all they have in their hometown and having like Paris is bumping, like, especially accessible and like streaming, like, I, I hope somebody saw it and just was like, this is what it could be. It doesn't have to be this like, um, so yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, and I, I'm there with you as well. Like, I definitely hope that that, uh, allows more people to engage with, with, these identities that they don't necessarily see all the time and, yeah. and really learn about themselves and internalize that it yeah. humanizes these, these groups um, in, a, in a lot of ways. And, and it's something that we sorely need more of. Oh yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's still wrestling. It's still different. And it's, it's not just about, I think being inclusive to people in wrestling who are wrestling fans, it brings in people that might not necessarily be a wrestling fan and just, they've always had this picture of wrestling in their head and they're not wrong, but also like, there's so much more to it. Like I, like I've had the pleasure of having like at least two people in my life watch wrestling for the first time, like watch a match and fall in love with wrestling, like in front of me. And it's just like, I want more of that. I want everybody to like wrestling. <laughs> I don't want wrestling to be like, you know, this, this joke or, you know, like it's, I mean, it's a super dirty problematic. There's so much stuff we could spend a whole episode dedicated just on that but I want it to be better I want it to be somewhere that people can like come and be like it's like a community like it, it should be I want people to feel the way that I feel when I go to wrestling shows um and not feel bad about it or feel embarrassed like it's having that feeling of dread when somebody who isn't a wrestling fan texts you and just be like what's going on with this thing and I'm like yeah, I watched this, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Like, you know, we've talked about this. <laughs> so, yeah, mm. I hope so. I think it could be better. Like, it always could be better. It could be much better, but, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm as optimistic as I still can be. <laughs> That's honestly, it's a good place to be um, with, with these sort of things. Um, looking sure. back on the, the issues yeah. that you have put out so far, um, are there any stories or, or pieces that particularly stand out to you as like personal favorites or personally impactful um, in a way? Oh, God. <laughs> I know it's a big ask. It's like there's so many. I know, I know there's so many. Um, I'm not going to remember well, I'll try and remember issues. I remember there was one, and I think it's in four, four or five, and it was somebody who had 
seen who had seen Nyla Rose wrestle for their first time and seeing somebody that looks like them and just um just how how much it meant to them especially because they were trained to become a wrestler um so there's that one I'm trying not to talk too much about each one because those are the one these are the ones that I cry after I finish reading them mm-hmm. like I always read them and I have to like take some time by myself and I'm just like oh my god um and then there was there was the one they they bonded over watching New Japan wrestling and because you know, it's in a completely different time zone. It was like 4 a.m., but they lived across the country from each other. And like, they were the only two that like were, were awake. And so they would tweet each other. And then they started dating and then they, she moved out to him or he moved to her. And they just recently got engaged last year. Like I said, oh, wow. like she, she, had, she and I, like, I follow all my contributors. So like, I, you know, keep up with them. Um, but yeah, they just got engaged. Um, and then I talked about this one earlier, but this was about, um, one of my friends, like her mom passed away, like very unexpectedly. Um, and wrestling, it was new Japan. I think like wrestling helped them because it was not an expected, you know, passing and just the whole concept of using wrestling to process your grief and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, those are the three that are popping immediately in my head. No, it's, it, I do want to touch on a little bit like that, that idea of, or more so touch on that idea of like, you know, working through grief. Yeah. Because like one of the pieces that really stood out to me in reading um, was, I think it was in volume five. Um, and I can't remember the contributor's name off the top of my head. And I feel really bad about that. But um, they were speaking about um, having these like latent feelings around their parents' divorce come back up in the process of seeing uh the circus tea yes. the breakup yes ashley yes yes yeah, yeah. um that w- like as like i'm gonna get a little personal here for a moment but like as a child of divorce um i got that yeah wholeheartedly but the, the way that that ashley spoke about um that experience was just one of those things that uh can re- like really deliver a personal impact um to to you to someone who reads that and um i don't know that that one just really stuck with me as an experience that especially like seeing where it ends where like that they tease the breakup but then the breakup doesn't happen yeah and the celebratory nature of it like like even if your real life family can't like stick it out and stay together and try and work through stuff like your wrestling family can there's more control over that in a way And, and i don't know it's just it was it really it was very very touching yeah um, no that one she she's contributed I think this was her second contribution I think she was one of my first ones in volume one um but yeah that one I because I also am a child of divorce um but my divorce a little when I was a little bit older like I was in my early 20s but um just I mean the concept of your parents breaking up and you know, even if it's meant to, it's meant to be good, it, you know, you still kind of want them to get back together secretly, but, um, yeah, no, and that's the thing is, like, somebody wrote this, and it touches on, like, someone else, it's not even just about having the space for people who have never written anything before, or having that space for them to, to be represented, it's other people who are reading this, seeing, you know, seeing themselves and having that connection, and being like, oh my god, yeah, I felt the same way about, this and you've you've written it out for me so to speak so 
Yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've created a little community. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've accidentally created a little community, like a little sub community of wrestling, but um, yeah. So how does it feel to kind of take a step back and see that you have done that? It's, it's a lot. Like it's it like, I feel like protective of these people um is my first reaction like I just want nothing but good things for all of them and like I just want to like protect them and I want them to be successful because there's just so many people like there are already there are people who have written who are have already established themselves and they're amazing writers and I was nothing but honored that they wanted to write for me but then there's people that you know, had never written before. And I'm like, you're an amazing writer. Like, I don't know what I, I, I had to figure out how to get you somewhere in front of somebody to like, keep doing this. Um, and I just feel honored because these are people that are sharing stories that can sometimes be really painful or really personal. And you're trusting me with this and you're trusting me to, you know, present you to other people. Like, I try to be very aware, like having the amount of followers that I do and kind of the, the visibility. And like, that was what I wanted in creating this zine is that I knew that I had that privilege and I had that, it created this space for myself. Like I wanted to pull other people up with me, especially that people, especially people that quite frankly are far more talented than I am. Like, it's just like, no, like you should be here sort of thing. Um, yeah. it's when I look back and just see how many people have contributed, it's just like, it's overwhelming in the best way. And just, I'm like, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't blame you. I would feel honored yeah. as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awesome to see. Um, and obviously like the, the, the DIY culture, the zine culture um, does create that space for, for so many people. Um, especially amidst like a landscape with wrestling media that doesn't really um, cater to, yeah. to those communities and to those voices on a, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see um, the zine cultures place like juxtapose against the traditional wrestling media um, and, and, you know, elevating voices in the way that you have, like, do you see, more imp- like more implementation of these of these uh, voices in traditional wrestling media being something that is is needed. I I think to answer the latter half of your question, I think absolutely, and I'm seeing it. It's slow but surely. Like I've seen people who, you know, are are more established wrestling journalists in the community, like actively look for somebody that isn't like, you know, straight white dude, like. And so I think hopefully they're kind of seeing what's happening in our community. And I would like them to think that, in, that their staff needs to be reflective of that. Like how somebody reports on Butch versus Gore, who is you know, a straight cis person is gonna be drastically different than somebody that you know, is LGBTQ. Like it's just, it's just important in that way. And in terms of the zine culture, uh, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little weird for me now personally, because like not having, you know, with, with quarantine and not wanting to like use the post office, like all of those elements that are with, you know, for me, 
getting it out to people like even zine fest and stuff like that like we didn't they had it all virtual and and it's fine like but the whole concept of having like you know the the zine in your hands um and I've seen conversations about that with other zinesters like where is this going especially as we move towards a lot of things just in general even outside of quarantine moving to be more digital um I like to think it'll be adaptable and I like to think that you know, it's not going to die. <laughs> I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any fear that it's going to die per se, yeah. but like it, it does like, like I'm with you and like the, the, the tangible feeling of like having something in your hands is yeah. like a very comforting feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in some ways can anchor you a bit more to what you are reading Yeah. Um, in a way, but you know, obviously like all of your stuff is available digitally, like mm-hmm. pretty much anybody in this sphere at the moment has their stuff available digitally and um you know it is basically everywhere everything is moving at this point um so i don't know if like if there's something do you feel like maybe like if there's like any piece of the of the culture the ethos that that is lost in that at all um i think for somebody who's like a zine purist i think there is um like I personally don't feel that way. I think that things can be adaptable and having things digital isn't necessarily a bad thing because then you have, you know, like, um, like readers and and stuff like that, like having it digital moves towards the accessibility of having it for people who, you know, wouldn't necessarily be able to read a hard copy. I think for some purists, like there is that argument of like, you're not doing everything by hand. You're not, um, you know what I mean? Like that, that, the, the little bit of that DIY is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not for me to say, like, that's just, I know that that's, I know that's a thought um, for me personally, I think it's adaptable. And I think if somebody hears me say that they might not like that, but that's how I feel. <laughs> but I, 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 I think of it as, because I wasn't a zinester, I wasn't a zinester first. Like I was a graphic designer and my background is graphic design and you know, digital design and web design. And so for me, I'm always thinking about ways to make things, you know, evolve and grow and adapt to the times. And so, you know, I think of it from a different perspective than somebody else would. Yeah. And I mean, and and honestly, it's probably the best perspective to have at this point, because like, yeah, there's purism can be fun. Um, and, and, and definitely has like a, a feed, like it feeds into like the, that desire, that nostalgic desire that a lot of people have around this sort of thing. But at the same time, if you have avenues to make things more widely distributable and can put this in the hands of more people that, Mm -hmm. that need it, then like, yeah, like evolution is a part of life. It's a necessary thing with the good and the bad that comes with it. So but I, I honestly, I don't feel like the spirit of, of the culture is lost in that. I, I don't, I agree. I don't think so. I, I think, I think the idea is there, it's transferable, it's going to be different, but um, yeah, I think, I think as long as you're doing it for reasons that are good, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah. There, there shouldn't, yeah, there's not, I don't, I don't see a particularly big issue with it. Yeah. Um, well, 
as we're winding down here a little, a little bit, uh, one last question for you. Like I, you know, I've, I followed you for a while. And one thing that I really like um, talking to people about, you know, especially in the wrestling sphere where so many things can be so micro focused on pro wrestling are mm. interests beyond pro wrestling in, in a way, mm. or like different ways that you've been involved in, in the industry. Like you said, like you went to training for one day, we had yeah. Patches Chance on last week from Daily DDT. And, you know, he had like a very short stint as a referee in Texas. Mm. And that was very interesting to, to, to talk to him about. I understand and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you've been getting or have been uh, getting into powerlifting. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am curious. Tell me about, tell me a little bit about, about that, that interest. Oh my goodness. Well, so I've always liked lifting weights, like even as a kid, like not as a kid, but as a teenager, uh, my brother got a gold gym membership when he turned 16. And so I got one too, like the whole family got one and, you know, did like the weights and like the little weights and stuff like that. And then as I was getting back into wrestling I started following a lot of like the women's wrestlers and they were powerlifting and they were doing CrossFit and I never really got into CrossFit but the concept around it like lifting weights and, and getting on the bar and stuff like that um I was just like I want to do that like I like lifting heavy things like I was one of those kids as a kid, like when you, like you had the teacher gather the chairs up and you're like, I can carry all these chairs. Like, like no, you can't. <laughs> yes, I can, I can do it. Um, but yeah, it started around probably 2015. Like I, like I got into, like, I was doing a lot of running and, and, and spin classes and stuff like that. And then I got into lifting and then I briefly work was lifting in like one of those garage gyms like I got like a group on and it was like the like you know no cardio machines like, like purely mats and just like literally somebody's garage and it was gritty and I loved it and then uh another gym opened up a little closer to where I was living and they had a platform and they had you know racks and it was a lot cheaper so I basically started looking online and looking at videos and how to's and how to do a deadlift and how to do this and how to do that and it kind of got to the point where I was like okay I can deadlift 150 pounds this is cool um what if I tried to do 200 pounds because then I started thinking in my head like this is right around like 205 live came out and I was like I could lift a cruiserweight like I could deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> and that literally is why I did it I was like I could lift a cruiserweight and then I got my brother into it um, he had had hip replacement surgery a couple of, like a couple of years ago. And so he couldn't, um, he couldn't power lift and do that stuff before. But then after I was like, Hey, like you got this new hitman. Like, I think you'd really enjoy doing this. And, uh, he ended up becoming a personal trainer and getting his personal training certificate. And now he's my personal trainer. Cause I'm lazy and don't like doing the math that comes with <laughs> powerlifting. <laughs> Um, and now we're both into it and doing like strong. And he was like, yeah, let's do the strongman competition. I was like, I don't know about lifting in front of other people. And he's like, no, you should do it. You share your videos online all the time. I'm like that's different. And we did two last year and like the, the morning of Bush versus Gore, we did a strongman competition, then drove up to DC. Oh, wow. That was literally the last, like, that was the last cool weekend I had. Um, but yeah, no, I just, 
I wanted like Natalia was doing a lot of powerlifting and I was like, that's really cool. I want to do that. And then it turned into like, well now like, okay, like 300 pounds is like probably like how much does Braun Strowman weigh? Like how, (laughs) (laughs) it's just constantly figuring out which wrestler you can lift. It's literally like, that's what my brother and I's text messages are. He's like, I did that today. I'm like, that's a big show. Like, good job. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I also like, I love how like, I'm I'm assuming this is the same brother that y'all are like running back and forth to each other's TVs during the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah. yeah, We're we're 18 months apart. We're Irish twins. So Ah. like, a lot of our interests ended up crossing over and influencing one another. So... (laughs) That's cool that even like yeah. this this far down the line, like y'all still are finding things to to keep that bond going. Oh yeah, you know he's like my person. Like when wrestling happens, and he's like, "What the hell is happening?" I'm like, "I don't fucking know." <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, let everyone uh, know where they can find you online, or where they can pick up copies of uh, "Girl Wrestling Family." You marry me. Yeah, and thank you for having me. You can find me on Twitter at Make It Loud. That's probably the best way because then that's where I share all my links. Um, if you want to buy right now digital copies of Girl Wrestling Family Marry Me, just go to gumroad.com backslash Zoe Bug Studio. The link is in my bio on Twitter. Um, I have printed copies, but I haven't really, we're in the midst of like, setting up our studio slash office right now so they're in a box somewhere <laughs> so i don't want to promise anybody a printed copy until i know exactly where they are but those those should come out probably in the spring and then this spring i'm going to start taking pitches probably beginning of march i might start looking for pitches for volume seven of girl wrestling fan will you marry me awesome well i know i am eagerly awaiting volume seven many others are um thank you so much for taking the time today yeah no thank you so much for having me my thanks once again to Kate for coming on the show. Uh, this is really fun chat there that got to some very some deep uh, spots, some personal spots, and that's but that's really what you want from engaging in in media. That's I mean that's why we tell stories, you know, is to really dig underneath the the outer layer of them and find meaning and something to draw from them that enhances our own existence in in a way. I mean, why else would we tell stories or have the desire to tell our own stories? You know, it's, it's, um, this is awesome to see. And I'm I'm really glad that her work with a girl wrestling fan, Will You Marry Me, is uh, bearing out uh, those stories and, and allowing people to have a space to, um, speak to elements of pro wrestling that traditional wrestling media don't always allow. Um, it's just awesome to see, and I can't wait to see what Volume 7 has in store. Uh, should be fun, if it's like any of the other previous six. Of course, if you want to check out Girl Wrestling Fan Will You Marry Me, you can, like uh, Kate said, go over to uh, gumroad.com slash Studio. Um, and check out uh, all six editions that are up there uh, for sale. And uh, it's just really f- fun uh, and, and engrossing reading, I would say. Um, but yeah, it was awesome to have the chance to talk to her. And you know, we have two more stops here on Journalist January, uh, which actually, now that I say that, 
kind of bleeds into February. Either way, still January. But um, next week, um, we will have another uh, voice within pro wrestling media on the show. Um, like I always do, I hold things a little close to the chest. You'll find out uh, before the episode drops next week. But it's it should be, uh, I think, an amazing guest for us here on the show. Um, but, of course, that will do it for us here this week. Uh, but before we do go, we have to uh, say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar. The Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And of course, a big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for our theme song, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. And, of course, if you want to check out some of the uh, companies that we talked about, some of the, the independent promotions that we talked about during this show, or want to delve back into the uh, yesteryear of independent pro wrestling, the best way to do that is to sign up for a subscription on independentwrestling.tv. They have the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Um, not to mention, they have done a lot of uh, live streaming with LGBTQ promotions. Uh, you know, we've talked about Uncanny on here before. They were the, the home of Butch versus Gore last year that we talked about. Uh, earlier on in the show, and you know, Butch versus Gore's latest event, the Cassandra Cup, they just wrapped up taping over the weekend, and that's going to be streamed live on March 28th on independentwrestling.tv. Um, and of course, if you want to check out what they have to offer, check out any of the live streams that they have there, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod, or you can visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial, test the waters, and see if they're right for you. I thoroughly enjoy them, and I'm pretty sure you will too. Either way, to get a little taste, use our promo code LGBTRingPod, or you can visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get that five-day free trial and see what independentwrestling.tv has to offer you. Um, and then, as well, if you are into video games, I do host a gaming news show every Monday called the Mr. Video Game Super Show that goes live at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. Uh, this is two hours of me and a couple of close friends just running through the week's gaming news, um, offering critique and analysis where needed, having fun where we can, and just all in all uh, engrossing ourselves, uh, just bathing ourselves in the gaming news. Um, that sounded weird. Anyway, um, but yeah, check it out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Um, and, you know, we've been doing some extra streams as well on Tuesdays at the same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I know coming up this Tuesday, we are finishing up our Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast. Um, we also usually host like game nights on those nights, some extra discussions. Sometimes we do our History of the World series, which looks at the history of video games. Either way, uh, just check us out at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Um, and it's, it's always a good time. I thoroughly enjoy doing that as well. Well, that's going to do it for us here this week on the show. Um, so until next week, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. And reach out to somebody you love today. Everybody's a 